Hey friends, I am so glad that you're joining me today on Betrayal Trauma SOS. I'm Jenny Brockbank and I'm in the process of learning and healing with you. I'm excited to finally share some insights from Betrayal Trauma Coach Pam Blizzard about future tripping. Heal with me. I am so glad to be back. I have missed being here with all of you. Such a gift to heal with you in this format. I will say though that Betrayal Trauma SOS is also on social media and my Instagram page has stayed alive and active during my hiatus. I'd love to have you join me there as well. I am so grateful for so many new listeners from so many countries. I greatly appreciate that this podcast didn't die when I took a much needed and long break. I want to send a special welcome to listeners in Ukraine, as there have been several. I also want to welcome listeners from Turkey, New Zealand, South Africa, Puerto Rico, and more. My heart sees you. I'm praying for you. You are not alone. What you see here or hear here is my recovery on display, and as such, my next episode will be about mistakes I've made since beginning this podcasting journey. I'm glad to learn from my mistakes as it gives me more to offer in the future. This is the future, and there's more future to come. Speaking about the future, about a year ago, I read a post from Betrayal Trauma Coach Pam Blizzard, and I knew that I wanted to learn more about what she shared. When I read the post, I knew that there were things in it that I needed, and so I interviewed Pam, and she graciously shared with me her insights about future tripping and how to stay out of it so I could stay present. And it helped me so much get through the last year that I am really humbled And honestly, it's bringing tears. I know I cry a lot. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for it. It's sacred, and I appreciate you being here and holding those tears. But I just can't tell you how much I appreciate the insight and wisdom that Pam shared with me as it helped me get through hopefully one of the worst patches of my entire life. I have a strong belief that what Pam shares in this interview is applicable to so many people in so many different situations, and betrayal trauma is a huge one where we can apply it. So I am so excited today to share with you this interview from Pam Blizzard. My guest today is Pam Blizzard. Pam's been married for over 25 years to the love of her life, and I have seen her fight for relationships affected by sex addiction by teaching principles such as boundaries, 12-step principles, and more. Pam's professional history is extensive, and these days she focuses on helping others with their own recoveries from betrayal trauma. Her website for betrayal trauma is recoveredpeace.com. Pam is a certified life coach and has completed training in the APSATS multidimensional partner trauma model. She runs a free and growing Facebook group titled Recovering Spouses of Sex Addicts, along with other recovery groups. I have personally benefited from Pam sharing her wisdom and experience in these groups. In fact, Pam recently shared regarding how to stay out of future tripping, and it was so beneficial that I knew that I wanted to share it with my listeners. Pam Blizzard, welcome to Betrayal Drama SOS. Truly grateful to have you here today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored that you've asked me to join you. 
Well, thank you. I've, I've learned from what you shared and look forward to learning more. And I know that many people will benefit from it as well. So thank you so much. Um, before we jump in today, I was wondering if you might briefly tell us a little bit about your personal journey with betrayal trauma and why you so generously give back to the betrayal trauma community. Well, uh, gee, where do I start? I, uh, <laughs> actually, knowing what I know now, um, I know through the work that I've done uh, that my own father was uh, sexually addicted. Wow. And um, so, you know, I didn't realize it at the time and until later years, but there was also some trauma there through betrayal. And, um, you know, I met my current husband um, and we became we became friends. We just became very good platonic friends for the first year of our relationship. We used to go to dinner. We used to go to movies. Um, we used to talk about the people we were dating. We used to talk on the phone for hours and um, we just became very, very fast friends. And then our relationship crossed that line and yeah. became romantic. And um Almost immediately, I knew there was something wrong or different. Um, but of course, like many of us, I wrote it off to, oh, gosh, all men have problems with these things. Things will be different when we're married. Right. And, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I kept seeing little teeny tiny slivers of the top of the iceberg. And I wrote them off and he wrote them off and I tried to explain them away. Um, then I started to beg, plead and cry. And um, I went through those cycles of discovery. Yeah. Deep, deep hurt. Um, my husband, I'm one of the lucky ones that he never blamed me, but he would blame everything else under the sun. And so I had, you know, in the beginning, you can get punched once and get up, right? But when you've right. been punched several times, um, after a while, you lose the ability to get back up. And in 2010, he was diagnosed officially with sex addiction. And um, I went into sort of a quasi sort of a faux recovery of my own. I didn't really take it seriously. I kind of believed that if he would just get fixed, everything would be okay. And um, I had some boundaries and over time, different things happened. We moved and didn't have the same resources. And I thought everything was wonderful. And um, uh, in 2017, I learned that he had relapsed pretty hard. And at that moment, I said, I don't know what's going to go on with this marriage or with him, but I know I need help. And that was the first time that I was actually introduced to the concept of betrayal trauma and it's like a million lights went off and yes it, I finally understood my own personal experience my own personal condition I wasn't crazy I wasn't weak I wasn't being a drama queen I really did have uh, PTSD because I had never treated my trauma Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I relate really strongly with a lot of what you've shared. And I just, I just think your, um, any story shared is really sacred. So I appreciate you sharing that with me and my listeners. And how did you come to give back to the community? What, what made you want to do that? Well, I decided to become a warrior for myself. I think I have a little bit of a warrior spirit. I'm a fighter. Mm, 
Love it. And, and, <laughs> and I saw that in 2017, there was, uh, there was a lot more resources that were available than there were in 2010, even, or even in 1997, when I first started dealing with this and didn't really know what it was. I just, you know, I just thought I had an immoral husband, um, which was not the case. Right. Um, and so when I started realizing my own mistakes from the past, like not getting into recovery, not keeping rock solid, strong boundaries, um, not learning how to rebuild trust or, or to make someone earn trust. Um, I, I could, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I saw lots of mistakes and I said to myself, if I can prevent 30 seconds of pain for some woman oh. by not making the same mistakes that I had made, then my pain will have meaning and will have been worth it. You know, that's tender. I really appreciate you sharing that. My heart is just like, I don't know, a sister heart with you in that area then, <laughs> because mm -hmm. that's absolutely what I want to do too. Um, so yes, thank you. And thank you for giving back in such a beautiful and generous way. I have witnessed it. It is really remarkable what you do. Well, and let me just give honor and, and glory where it's due. It's all God. It's not me. Um, wow. If I did not have my relationship with God and God hadn't been there to hold me up and be the person closest to me during all of that, uh, I wouldn't be standing upright today. I relate with that too. Oh my goodness. Yes. All right. Well, today we'll move on to future tripping. And I'm really familiar with future tripping in a personal way <laughs> and even engaged in it this week. And I would love to not uh, engage in future tripping. It is just a joy stealer. It is hard to function well. It's hard to stay present with my children and things that I need to accomplish. So as you posted this recently, I thought, oh, I just need to learn from it. And I'm grateful to share with others as well. Would you mind explaining to us what future tripping is? Well, future tripping is just simply spending a lot of time worrying and being anxious and spending a lot of time and thought about, you know, uh, what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month. And it's extremely common anytime there's anxiety or depression. And of course, in betrayal trauma, we have a lot of anxiety yes. and, and depression. And so, you know, there's a whole spectrum of um, whether you're being triggered and feeling like this is just always going to happen in the future, um, or whether it's just your normal daily garden variety anxiety of constantly ruminating and obsessing about what will happen tomorrow, what's going to happen, and, and not in a good way, not like planning a birthday party or planning a vacation. Right. Have, <laughs> right. We yeah. have to think about, okay, logically, this is going to happen. And those are very positive things. This is more in the category of distorted thinking where um, we're using different distorted thoughts like um, fortune telling, um, this is going to happen, you know, this happened in the past, it's always going to happen in the future, my husband slipped or relapsed in the past, he's just, he's just going to slip in the future. Mm -hmm. um, um, black and white thinking, um, if my husband slipped, he can't possibly recover. Yeah. Um, and uh, just spending so much time in the future, 
And in those what ifs and what happens to us neurologically is we're spending more time in that anxiety place in the part of our brain in the amygdala that is fearful. And we're creating neural pathways where our brain wants to find the easiest, simplest pathway. And, and if we don't work to mindfully direct our thoughts into a healthier place, we can, um, our, our brain can just become very, very, um, I don't want to say addicted, but it's just the brain, it, it defaults to mm-hmm. that kind of autopilot kind of thinking. Um, and the it- problem with Go ahead. Sorry. It's kind of to me like like my husband who struggles, you know, with addiction. And so he gets these pathways that lead him there. And so with us, it's like it just leads us to a different place, but it's all unhealthy in its own way. Would you say that? Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of a, I don't know if it's a paradox or an irony that our recovery as betrayed spouses is uh, parallel Mm-hmm. to the addicted person's recovery too and becoming more mindful about how we're thinking and creating those neural pathways to be healthier and to be mindful about just exactly what we're thinking. All right. So why do you think we need to get it under control? What What is it about it that, about future tripping that would um, benefit us to not be stuck in it, I guess? Well, we, we can't take any real action on these things that we're projecting into the future. We can't take any action on tomorrow. Um, today, we need to be, and, and one of the biggest losses of doing future tripping is you lose today. You lose what's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so while we're worried about what's happening tomorrow, next week, next next month, we are not in a state of gratitude for our health that we have today, or if we're all in recovery, the recovery work we're doing today and, and the ground that we've, um, um, the, the, the positive movement forward that we've made so far. So if, if we're constantly ruminating about tomorrow, then we're really not paying attention to what needs to happen today. That's beautiful. Yeah. I personally have lost an awful lot from worrying and um, have, have had times of real success at being present, you know, and, and not doing that. But I will own that lately just seems like some heavy burdens have come and, and I've kind of slipped back into that old way of thinking. So looking forward to hearing some tips from you today. Um, as I saw some of the tips that you were sharing, it, it seems like you have five basic ones. Would you mind starting with the first one, which was staying in the moment? Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like what I just referred to. You need mm-hmm. to stay in the moment and be mindful of what's going on right now. What's going on with your own body, checking in with your own body. Um, If we go into anxiety, our breathing is probably escalated. One of the best things we can do is to mindfully breathe and uh, just um, breathe very slowly. That helps our brains reorient and gets the prefrontal cortex working. Um, And, you know, one day at a time, we can really only live one day at a time. I can obsess about what am I going to do tomorrow, but really... I really only need to figure out what am I going to do in the next five minutes? Mm. And I, I can manage the next five minutes more than I can manage what's going to help happen next week or next month. And, you know, that's reality. Yeah. 
if I'm worried about next week or next month, I'm not in a real place and I need to stay grounded in reality. Even if I don't like what's going on right now at this very moment, I can do something about it. I can, um, I can breathe. I can meditate. I can pray. I can read recovery material. I can reach out to a recovery support friend. Um, there's things that I can do for my self-care in the current moment. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. All right, let's move on to number two, which is don't make rash decisions when in this mode. Yes. You know, um, I know that I personally, I felt like a ping pong ball, you know, um, bouncing off the walls to the left, to the right, to the up, to the down. And as I started believing some of these movies that I was playing in my head, Um, You know, I was just catastrophizing the worst thing that could possibly happen. And, oh, my gosh, I have to prepare for this absolutely horrific event that's going to happen. And, you know, probably the best thing for me to do is to pack my bags and to call a lawyer and, you know, pull all the money out of the bank account. Um, So it's probably not the best thing to do when you're... If you're not making decisions based on what's happening in the current moment, what is the condition today? My husband's in recovery. He's doing his recovery work. I'm doing my recovery work. No, I don't know what could happen tomorrow, but I could die of a heart attack tomorrow. You know, a funny thing happened. I was very, very obsessed and worried about my husband relapsing. And all of a sudden he came down with pulmonary embolisms and we were rushing him to the hospital. And I couldn't possibly have prepared for that. Right. And I had to deal with it in the moment. So if I am so focused on these imaginary movies and what ifs playing out in my head, then um, I'm really, I'm not preparing myself to handle, you know, the daily events that happen um, and the things that could potentially happen. We just always have to be prepared Um, and and feel like I'll know what to do at the time when that happens. I love that. And it sounds too like living in fear is just really no way to live, you know? And as you're, as you're talking to, and I'm, I'm thinking about making rash decisions. And I remember I have a dear friend in recovery who had found out some horrific things and um, she said, I'm done. And she went and burned her wedding pictures, you know, and, mm-hmm. and really um, had, I don't know, it just crushed her later because of how much better things got, you know, in recovery to not have those, those precious pictures and things. So I love that you say, don't make rash decisions. Um, in fact, I've heard wait a year before you make any of these big decisions, you know, for the most oh. part. Absolutely. I thought that was good counsel. Yeah, absolutely. I think many of us go, that's it. We're getting divorced. I, I said those exact words mm-hmm. and the therapist spun around in his chair and said, no, no major life-changing decisions in the first year. And I'm glad because of course, you know, when I was in that emotion, extreme emotional place, what I wanted to do was escape the pain. Mm. And, um, and when I'm in that place, if I'm future tripping, and I'm imagining all these horrible things are going to happen, of course, I'm going to want to escape that. Right. And, but, but what I really want to escape is my emotions. Yes. Not, not the situation. So, and emotions are fluid and they're, they're, they're very real to us, but they're not factual. I love that. And we need to make our life decisions based on 
facts, not on our emotions. I agree with that. And I, I think sometimes like you're talking about emotions feeling just unbearable sometimes. And, and that is true. And so, but that, I love how you say they're fluid because what that means to me is it's not going to stay like it is that this is a very hard thing that will pass, you know, to some degree it will change. And so to stay just patient with the process of, of dealing with that pain. I don't know. It just seems valuable. Well, and and understanding what I know now about betrayal trauma and how it affects us neurologically and how our brain becomes flooded with, you know, dopamine and other, you know, neurotransmitters, um, they eventually calm down. They eventually um, leave that part of the brain and our prefrontal cortex will come back online again. Mm. And so we, we also can benefit by understanding that part of this is physiological. I love that. So it's going to take time to heal physically. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you. All right. Number three is take the future trip movie to another trusted person. The beauty of support groups or a, a person that you can trust is they can keep you, they can hold space for your emotions, but they can also keep you grounded in reality mm. and, and challenge you. Um, um, a great phrase that's becoming more common now, and I've heard Brene Brown use this, and I think it's based on the work of uh, Pia Melody, if I'm not mistaken, is this event happened and the story I made up in my head about it was um, that's part of those, that future tripping and those movies that we create and these stories that we spin, um, a, a based on a, a few minor facts, but then we take them and expand upon them. But so if I take that story to a friend of mine, my friend can challenge me and say, okay, but have you considered this fact and that fact and this fact too? Mm. And can kind of help me stay grounded in the reality. And in another thing that I love is instead of saying, what if, what if, what if, somebody that will help me turn that around to even if, even if, even not what if my husband relapses, but even if my husband relapses, I know that I can take care of myself and I know that I can get support and I can, I know that I can do the next right thing. Um, and so having another person um, to stay grounded in reality, two things can happen. First of all, you get it out. And, you know, when you get it out, hearing yourself say it to another person can also change how you feel about right. what you're saying and those thoughts. So having another person to share it with can be incredibly powerful. I love that so much. A support group has been very valuable to me, but I really love that you say change what if to even if. It's like even if, and I'm going to be okay no matter what. Right. So thank you for sharing that. That's really cool insight. All right. Number four, self-care ramped up on overdrive. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. And without shame or apology, mm. um, you know, culturally, we women are brought up and socialized to take care of everyone else first. We're the nurses to our children. You know, we're the cooks and we're, we make the chicken soup when somebody has a cold yep. and we're not encouraged to take care of ourselves first. And if there's any a time 
in our lives when we should milk that <laughs> without apology, it's when you're recovering from betrayal trauma. Mm, love that. We really do need to take care of ourselves, whether it's, and, and you know, that doesn't mean bubble baths and painting your toes. I mean, it could, but it also means saying no to additional favors for people that you just don't have the time or the bandwidth to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making sure you keep all your therapy appointments, your, your uh, medical appointments, sometimes just staying home and and turning the tv on um getting somebody to watch your kids for you um and just asking for help when you need help so doing whatever you need to do to pour into yourself not even just the basic self-care but what can you do to nurture yourself and and focus on on your positive health Oh, that's beautiful. I love that you talk about different types of self-care. Sometimes, you know, especially in the beginning, don't you think um, people just forget to eat sometimes, you know, or, or sleep? Yeah. yeah. And, and basic necessities of life go unnoticed. So it can be so many things and so much um, richer than just, I don't know, sometimes I do need a bubble bath, like you mentioned, but <laughs> sometimes journaling is what my spirit is crying out for. And that is more more self-care than than other things. I guess it's just like you were talking about earlier, being in tune with your body to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And I think that self-care, the more in tune we are with with our bodies, the better we can figure out what we actually need, mm-hmm. just in my opinion. So I love that. Thank you. All right. So the next thing you say is number five. It says the best way to predict the future is to create it. And this was my favorite thing. Absolutely. One of the things I learned in my uh, in my training with APSATS is a really good predictor of outcome of a positive outcome in betrayal trauma recovery is having a vision of who you want to be of who you are on the other side of recovery. What does that look like? Um, and connecting in with your values. We don't, again, in our society, we're not, we're not socialized to stay focused, to be able to verbalize what our values are. And our values are our true north. So doing that exercise of what are my values, and it's going to be different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's going to change throughout life. So you never have to stress over making the perfect list of values but you know if some of your values are art or create creativity um, for some people it's going to be service or ministry knowing what your values are and then creating a vision of what your future uh, is going to look like based on those values when you walk it out Um, create a vision board journal about it create a scrapbook around it Um, and so that really, then you don't have to be a slave to the what if, right? Instead of what if you could say it's possible to, ah, I love that. It's possible too. Um, yeah, something you had mentioned, I don't remember if it was here or somewhere else that you talked about, um, you know, what brings you joy? It was like, go to the art museum, do these wonderful things, you know, that, that just fill you up, um. I don't know, to create it because it is hard when we're stuck in this pain sometimes to look and say, hey, I can actually go out and do other things and have joy right now. In this moment, I can still choose joy sometimes. I don't know. It's easy to get stuck in in that pain. Yeah. It, it was something that was really powerful for me um, 
was to be able to go to my church and offer myself up for community service for oh, some of their outreach. And it really helped me. And that was, you know, that was a big part of my values being service mm-hmm. of being of service to someone else. And um, I got up on early on Saturday mornings and I went down to the Salvation Army and I served drinks to the homeless. And it was so humbling oh. and it was so healing to be able to give somebody a smile um, and to hear stories of, you know, so many of the homeless are veterans and to hear their stories. And it really took me out of myself mm-hmm. and it helped me to see that, you know, I was so zoomed in on my own pain and my own trauma um, and my own worry and anxiety about my future that it really helped me zoom out Love it. and away from just my stuff and to see um, that the world was much bigger and ha- had much more opportunity for me. And that experience gave me some of my even ifs. Right. Even if the worst happens, this is this thing right here is bringing me joy right now. Oh. Um, and so that was really helpful for me. I love that. I love that. And when you're doing that, it's really hard um, to focus on the future to me too. You know, future tripping is a lot less likely to happen if I'm focusing on somebody before me who's needing help right then. And right. it's much, much more rewarding as well. So, all right. right. Well, thank and you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate being able to share my story. And um, I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing with your podcast. Well, thank you. I feel like everybody's just kind of witnessing my own recovery. So I appreciate that. Um, same here. Same here. I'm, you know, I'm not quote recovered. I, it's, it's a journey and I'm grateful that there's people to walk this with us, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 10 years ago when I was first going, well, 10 years ago and even longer when I was first going through this, there wasn't resources like this. Exactly. You know, yes. I, you, I was alone you know, trying to figure out my way out of this maze with very few professionals and even some of those weren't um, too with it or just, you know, educated yet on betrayal, trauma and recovery. So, right, right. Truth. Well, Pam, thank you for joining me today. I look forward to improving my ability to enjoy the present by implementing some of these tips. Thank you for having me, Jenny. Did you love Pam's insights as much as I did? I sure hope so. I'd love to hear your thoughts if you'd like to send me an Instagram message. Also, I could really use your help with more reviews. If you have found this useful, will you please leave five stars and maybe tell someone else about Betrayal Trauma SOS? Betrayal Trauma SOS is on Facebook, Instagram, and at BetrayalTraumaSOS.com. Thank you for being here. I love healing with you.